Are you conscious of your addiction? Refuse to be defined by it? Not satisfied with living your life on the surface? Are you drawn to deeper meaning and purpose? And believe that it's possible to grow through your addiction to experience true freedom? Well, welcome home. Share the journey from addiction to freedom with your host, Michael Gregory. So welcome again to Addiction to Freedom. Uh, today I've just had a, a really interesting conversation with um, Roland Jaspers. He's a, a social worker of over 20 years' experience and and he, he developed a particular interest in helping young people and in particular young people are recovering from addiction. And, um, I mean, during our conversation we, we did talk about what that you know rehabilitation looks like and what that experience is for people but we also in a way went on a bit of a journey where we ended up realizing that that we're kind of all in rehab even though we may not be in a specialized facility because the process of rehabilitation is really one about of learning new skills and and learning new skills specifically to create uh, better outcomes and better decisions to problems in our life. So it was really a, a really interesting conversation. I, I feel like I've learned a lot. And so I really do encourage you to um, listen all the way through because um, that was quite a surprising um, place to end up. But actually also hearing about the specific uh, rehabilitation process really informed that that conversation. So without um, further ado, I'll just uh, let you enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to another episode of Addiction to Freedom. And today I'm really excited to introduce Roland Jaspers. He's actually a social worker, has been a social worker for over 20 years, and um, has worked actually all around the world. And he has particular experience with an interest in young people and helping them overcome addiction and, and, and spent um, nine years in a, working as a, a social worker in a drug rehab facility and many other experiences which I, I guess we'll, we'll get to, to know. So welcome, Roland, and thank you so much for putting aside the time to come on the show. Uh, thanks, Michael. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, so I wonder if you could just share a little bit about your background and how you came, I mean, uh, to be interested in, in, in addiction and, and, and rehabilitation. So I started in Belgium, that's where I'm from originally, and I had uh, I was a volunteer with disability, uh, so I worked there when I, in my younger years, and then that piqued my interest, and so I went into a social work degree in Belgium. Then I did a couple of years working in institutions in Belgium with young people. So I wanted to more like specify a specific work with young people, had a lot of energy and uh, I thought young people are really interesting. And so while I was in these institutions, you know, most of the time between like, uh, say, eight years old until like, say, 24 years old, that was my uh, specific target group. I worked with them there. And, you know, while you're working with young people, at some point uh, with all these people, you have mental health issues and also drug addictions and so on. And all different uh, addictions. Uh, so, you know, they correlate and, uh, you know, uh, you 
we have to work through them with the young people because while you're young, it's very, uh, you know, it's some, it's a challenging time uh, for most of us, I would uh, presume. So it's uh, a difficult time. And so, uh, you know, you learn a lot of skills and you, you know, you need to go through. And sometimes the coping mechanisms that we learn when we were young uh, don't always uh, work out or they're not really, as uh, we say, like positive, uh, positively in our society, even, you know, they're not really uh, great sometimes. So I think that is, uh, and that's what about my background was. And then after a couple of years working like that in Belgium, I wanted to explore the world. And so I went uh, overseas, worked in several countries in America, France, uh, Greece, also Thailand, and uh, then ended up in Australia. So after I met my uh, wife in uh, uh, Thailand, she's American, and then we moved over uh, to uh, Australia because she was already living here. And then I did what I did as a career here too. So I got into uh, working with young people with drug addictions in a specific like a drug rehab, a drug rehab facility. And I did that for more than nine years. Before that, I did like, you know, because I was traveling in Australia too, I did some short work jobs around, but like the long one was uh, in my, in the rehab facility. And yeah, I just actually uh, resigned from that position after nine years, because now I am traveling Australia again with my kids. Oh, fantastic. That's, that's, you've got a very long history there of working with, with people with an addiction and I'm just wondering, for me and for, I guess, other people who are not that familiar with uh, what it might be like working in a, a drug rehabilitation program, can you kind of, I mean, give us a bit of a picture of what, what that's like, how that works? It's a, actually a long process. I mean, it goes from the young person having issues, and that could be you know, maybe not even for his issues. It could be like, hey, my mom thinks I have a problem or family related or so someone states at some point, hey, I have a problem or, you know, you have a problem. So then people try to find a solution for it and, uh, you know, do some research, come at, uh, you know, talk with counselors or uh, people and they get referred basically to our service. Uh, say like a doctor or you know a counselor so you know, they talk with the, the young person is like well maybe this is a good program for you so then they get referred to our service like you know rehabs in uh, in general uh, they go normally to an administration process where they ask questions about you know well what is your problem like wh- why do you think you have a problem you know do you what kind of drugs do you use are you a smoker how many times because like people have different ideas about what addiction is some people can say well I use like uh, illegal drugs like once a month and, well, you know, that's my addiction. Okay, fair enough. For other people, it's like, oh, I need to spend like $500 a, a week. Otherwise, you know, so we are asking a lot of questions about what, where, what do you think the problem is? And then also uh, more specific, well, how can we help you and what do you expect from our service? Because that's very important that you have a kind of an expectations about what um, uh, is happening. 
also uh, with um, one of the most important things I find is, okay, who is actually, who wants you to come to our service? Is it, say, uh, yourself, because you think you have the problem? Or is it somebody else who yeah, thinks says problem? I, th I think that is a, a big, uh, and for example, th there is nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you want to help yourself uh, because your child, you have a child, and you think like, well, actually, I'm not, you know, the best person towards my child, and you know, I want to give him all the uh, the things in life and so on. That could be a very strong motivator to be in our service. I've seen a lot of young people who are there because they want to give their child uh, a better future, for example. So then, uh, uh, that is all intake. Yeah, so that means like that can take uh, months before because you know it's all about places of availability in uh, the surface. So, for uh, example, uh, they make contact uh, in January, and uh, okay, uh, uh, then a couple of months later there is a, a spot available, and then they come into uh, our service. And would that be would that be like a live-in arrangement, or is it um, maybe visiting? throughout uh, for appointments during the week okay so with um with that there are different setups in rehab most of the time when we talk about rehab it is a living situation otherwise you have outpatient help which is not really it's more like you support you you go to the counselor to the doctor uh, for an hour or you know even longer for group therapy and so on and then you go back uh, home and you live in your own house that's outpatient. Uh, uh, thing. However, if you talk more like about rehab, then we are talking about uh, uh, most of the time 24-7 support. So, and then even then you have two different options. You have first the detox option where young people who have um, strong uh, uh, illicit drug use and they need to uh, withdraw from the symptoms because there are two different sections there. Uh, in our service, we had uh, a detox facility, and that was then uh, for the first uh, 10 days, kind of, or even uh, it could be shorter, depending on the needs of the, the student, where they detox and just withdraw from their drug use. Because in that time, it's it's very delicate. I mean, you're you're still on all these uh, medications and uh, on the drugs and um, your, your body does all these weird things and your mind too at the same time. And so you need to have like a very specific support there. It's like they, um, the doctors, uh, it's a holistic program most of the time. I'm talking in general now because I mean, a lot of rehabs have different structures and different ways of operating. So I'm just giving you kind of a, a, an overall view of what, what it is. So then, that, so for example, the detox, yeah, is that. It can also, a detox could have been uh, done in a hospital. There are a lot of uh, detoxes that are part of a hospital, uh, most of the time, actually, because they need so much resources. You need to have like doctors all around. You need to have like, you know, sometimes there is violence or more security issues because people can't handle it. And they say like, well, we need something now. And they, they, they can't cope anymore with the problem. And then they act out. Of course, then we need to take care of the safety issues of other students and so on. So there is more like a security part in that too, if you know what I, what I mean. So, and that again, uh, you know, actually one, and then we're talking about money too. 
is like some uh, hospitals even say like, well, stay at home until you can't handle it anymore. Yes. And that is just because some hospitals have a, a limited time frame when they can have somebody say, well, in our hospital, we can only have you for four or five days max. That is our time frame that we can help you. Okay. It's about money. Yeah. Like, you know, we only have a limited amount of uh, spots available. So what, uh, so then you stay at home, do all, you know, whatever you can to uh, detox on your own. And whenever you are, you think like, no, I can't help it. I need some, you know, targeted support 24 seven. Then you come into the hospital and then all the doctors are there, the nurses and, and uh, that specific. Uh, and also, uh, for example, drug uh, like uh, medication to help you through these difficult times. And then, for example, after that, they stayed on five days, for example, in the detox. And then they move on to a long term rehab now the long-term rehab can be like say three months it can be six months can be a year so there is some leeway in that depends on the service that would be living in the facility for yes. that long yes so yeah so you but well uh, when you're in the facility it doesn't mean that you for example can't get out uh, but like for example in the facility i worked the, the first month you stayed on the ground, on the on the premises. However, other people could come and visit you over the weekend, and then that, um, like the first weekend, there was no uh, visitation. But then afterwards, uh, when everything goes okay, you can have your support system coming in because that's also important. That you, you know, on one of the questions on the intake, for example, will be like, hey, uh, what? Um, uh, which support network do you have? Who is important to you? Are they there? Are they behind you? Or, you know, or who is it that you don't want to be involved in your recovery and, and so on? So uh, these support people, we are, of course, we're going to have uh, chats with them and see that they are a positive part of that. And uh, we don't want to have any violence or something in our you know, on our premises, for example, and then they can come, they can come over and support the, the young person in, in their recovery. So after the, the first uh, month, then they uh, can go and do like, for example, outside visitations. So for example, they can go on weekend leave. And that is, I think, also important because we teach uh, the whole idea about the long-term part is that we teach them new skills new coping mechanisms, new understanding about their own issues, why other people are reacting to them, and so on. So we teach them all these things. Now, when you go on weekend, you come back into the stressors of your environment because it's a little bit of an artificial space, yeah? We were around, um, you had like one house where I worked and we had six people in there. Now, of course, the, you know, that's a dynamic and they all have their own issues. So, you know, they're working through that. But then uh, when they go back to their own family situation, where, for example, parents can use, that's possible. Yeah. So they learn all these skills and then they go back into that environment. And that's very difficult. Yeah. Because it triggers them. Basically, it's like, you know, you have all these things happening. And so then actually what we tell them, uh, like what uh, you see is they can use all these things that they learned in that environment. And a lot of times they will fail 
for example, or they like well, fail as in they they relapsed. Yeah. And because I actually don't think of it as a failure. Sometimes the students will and uh, see it as a failure, yeah. But it's not. It's actually the 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 word I just used is actually not a, a very positive word because you see like well it's you totally you know I didn't learn anything or it didn't work or whatever. Now these things take time and because you know you need to re-educate yourself and see like oh well you know maybe that time it didn't work and then you come back to our service and you say like well why was it that that thing what you did what you what we taught you why was it that it didn't work and then you know you go through all these things a bit uh counselors and so on talking about like well you know my my dad was using uh and you know i just saw it it was on the table and well you know it happened so okay and then you go through all the strategies about you know what can you do the next time and so on and so basically it's like making uh, young people stronger and stronger again for example like okay uh, it was on the table well what could you have done differently you know so you wouldn't have oh well i could have gone for a walk or I could have, you know, uh, asked my parents to put it away uh, because they were very supportive, but, you know, they didn't think about it and so on. So, you know, all these different ways. Can I ask something perhaps I should have asked before? Do you think that somebody has to get, you know, there's this saying where you need to hit rock bottom before you're ready to change do you subscribe to that do you think that's true or is it different for different people i don't think so you know they sometimes in the media they say like you need to get a bottom i don't believe so people have different some people you know that is where they end up but i mean it's not necessarily so some people can see um we're all individuals uh, different backgrounds and so on. Uh, some people can already see that something is happening with them way before they're there. And uh, then they come to our service or other services. And uh, I know there is a problem. I just don't know how to rectify it or, or change things. But uh, on the other hand, also, you have people who come in our service like three, four times. Uh, so no, they, they come in they learn quite a bit of stuff and then they say like oh, oh i think i'm ready and then a year later they come back and they're like yeah and you know because it's a growing process for example the the and especially i'm talking now with young people like you know a 16 year old has a very different kind of understanding about things than an 18 or 20 year old so uh, at 16 for example he wasn't ready yeah he learned a lot of stuff for him, he thought he was, uh, uh, you know, it was okay. But then a year later, it spiraled out of control again, for example. And, uh, uh, you know, he had to come back. And sometimes they, they know, like, oh, uh, yeah, I had to come back. And think, over that time, a lot of things can change. I mean, um, we can talk about that later too. But, I mean, we have to figure out what the, the client wants. Because it's all about motivation. If we have young people who say like, oh, I want abstinence or I don't, I want just word, I, I want uh, harm minimization, uh, as in harm minimization as like reducing of the harm inflicted on you. Well, there are two different choices. 
So, and I think, uh, and that is also then uh, depends on which rehab you're going to. Some rehabs say like, nah, harm minimization, we don't do that. We just do abstinence. And if you don't like it, well, then you need to go to a different rehab, which is, you know, that's the, the rehab's decision and how they work. But it depends on choices. So for us, it was a voluntary program, so which is also important, I think, because then you're like, well, you want to be here. If you don't want to be here, well, then you can always go. We don't force you to be there. Yeah. Of course, there are situations where young people, uh, when uh, they are harmed for themselves or to others, they need to be uh, in hospital, and and that's a different situation. Okay. Uh, but in our in our in our uh, rehab, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So, what type of skills is there? A kind of a a set formula or program that you take people through? Can you give us a bit of an insight into? Is there like a foundational understanding, and then there's modification of that, or what kind of skills do you, you help people learn? So we work in a holistic, and most most uh, organizations I work through are a holistic kind of program. And I think that's the, the right one. If you focus on one thing, just drugs or anything else, you don't always uh, attack the, the, the problem in itself. Like lives are complex, families are complex, you have finances, all these things have an impact. For example, if you're going to go and, you know, you say like, oh, you know, all these emotional regulation and we're going to help you with your help, but then your finances are, you know, not there. And, uh, you know, you need to do back, you have to refer back to criminal activities and so on. You're, you know, that's not helping the person because he's going to go back and, uh, you know, probably worse off before. So with the program, there are, we teach them skilled workshops, for example, like, you know, woodwork or uh, metal uh, work or driving forklifts or admin or, you know, you name it, all these uh, most of the time basic foundational courses that uh, can help with employment, for example. Right, right. So that addresses the finances if they can get employment. Yeah, but also, for example, finance counseling, financial counseling about how to, you know, say if you're on Centrelink, you know, okay, well, how can you do, you know, get like your your money and what are your outgoings, what are your incomings and, and so on, so you can actually take care of yourself financially. And then, of course, another uh, option, uh, like another thing is like emotional regulation is like, okay, why are we acting out why are we being upset oh well you know because my uh, whoever my neglected me and you know that triggered me and so then that uh, really you know yeah i couldn't handle that and i punched uh, the wall yeah well okay was that a good outcome no because i broke my hand Okay, so then you got in hospital, all right, and and you move on. Okay, so then you go back, like, okay, where did did you feel it in your body? What happened? And that are these counsel that are counselors, you know, um, where you work um, work through all these emotions and trying to uh, fix, uh, or like not fix actually, uh, trying to understand where that comes from and where what what is the problem and try to put like a a breaker in there so you can say like, okay, before you hit the wall. You know, we're putting this in place. Uh, like, for example, some of the things uh, that young people liked was music. So they get upset. 
and then you say like oh you know and sometimes that's the work that's uh, workers uh, job just like hey i can see you're upset you know what about you spoke to me before that music calmed you down why don't you go and listen to some some music and that is the, the process i'm talking about it's like in the beginning we will have to help them with that and say like hey you told me music is a good you know relaxes you and then after a while they figure it out themselves and they say like oh i feel upset wait i'm going to my room listen to some music and now after half an hour they come back and they're like yeah i'm okay again yeah so so you're obviously helping develop kind of alternative strategies but I'm really interested in what you said there before. You, you you said fix, and then you corrected yourself and said not fix. So can you unpack that a little bit for us? Just what's the difference between a fixing approach and the other approach that you mentioned? Well, yeah, I guess with fixing, I mean, you go with uh, the idea that something is broken. And and I guess uh, that is, uh, I, I don't think that's that's true. Like on the other hand, I like to to make it pretty clear instead of making it very convoluted and thinking about okay, th- we need to be careful with our words. On the other hand, it's indeed like uh, a good mention here that we we are all people with all problems and so on, and inherently there is nothing wrong with the person in itself. It's about how they learned maybe like negative ways of dealing with things where and that is a societal thing yeah like you know not every society has the same restraints for example or cultural beliefs and so on so but in our western uh, you know australia western uh, society it's more like okay well, you know uh, medically like you know we were like oh we want to fix him give him some medication and he's up and running again on the other hand if you work more holistically then you can see like okay we're gonna the coping mechanisms that they learned from uh, like before that are weren't helpful yeah we can adapt them so they actually are more helpful for the person himself and for the others around him yeah right so that sounds more like that there's an inherent acceptance of the person as they are and then their behaviors are looked at in a wider context as not that there's something wrong with them but that those behaviors are really just a reflection of an attempted solution to a situation and happens that that solution is not serving them in the best possible way is that yeah exactly i think they're they're learned a lot of behaviors are learned so if you see at home all the time that one of your family members is getting really upset and start punching walls yeah imagine you're a four-year-old and you know whoever is punching walls all the time every time you say the wrong thing well that's accepted like that's normal stuff i mean like you know you wouldn't really blink an eye for that because that's normal you know it's normal like so next time i'm getting you know i'm the four-year-old you know i'm becoming older you know and at eight i'm starting to have a tantrum i'm starting hitting walls because that is what other people do. I see that. And it's a learned behavior. So then, of course, if you're four years old, you're not too strong. You know, you're not going to punch through the wall. However, 
if you're then 25 year old who is like massive does whatever kickboxing and some martial arts and so on if he uh, hits the wall or you know then you're going to have some damage so you know there are these behavior these learned behaviors that not all uh, aren't always uh, helpful in 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 our society and i guess that's also the part where you think about the law in with addictions it's the law that comes in play too because in uh like you know what is the difference between smoking and illicit drugs well one is accepted you know you can uh, use that like the the police officers are not going to put you in jail for that for the other one they are so i mean you know it is uh you have that 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 context where you live in and then even in context like if you go to the middle east and you do the shisha pipes there and so on it's a cultural experience well if you know to be part of that culture as a as, you know you you know it is actually a good thing to do that where here well and actually in australia times have changed you know if you look back you know a couple of decades uh, the same as in in europe you know smoking was kind of okay we didn't know like you know oh well, yeah like you know there were all ads and whatever but now people know oh, it's not good for uh, your health it costs the system a lot of money so as a society is actually better that we try to get everybody stopping with smoking because that's better for yeah financially and for the health of all our citizens. So in terms of behaviors as an attempted solution and we talked about like the behavior of you know acting out like punching the wall or some other kind of behavior but what about the behavior of taking drugs how do you what's your view on on that why is that something that someone's doing to solve another problem in their life or is uh, how do you what's your experience with that Uh, yeah i think uh, in with um drugs and addictions and so on there is uh, mostly uh, most of the time an underlying factor why people are doing that and uh, it could be something small like you know stress at work for example you know, and, you know, you just need to, uh, people think like, oh, I need to have like that glass of wine at the end of the, the day to, to relax. And, you know, so a lot of, in our society, we have a lot of stressors, you know, you go to work, you know, people you work with, you know, maybe sometimes you don't like uh, what somebody said or whatever, or they did the wrong thing or somebody, somebody criticizes you. And it's uh, that your own personality is thrown into that mix. So it also depends on your own personality. If you are in, in some people thrive in certain situations and other ones are not. And I guess that is why we need to talk to people. What is it that they want? Because like, for example, and it's about freedom then, uh, what we're talking about. So like say a CEO goes to, to work and he really has that personality and he thrives on challenges and he really loves it, yeah? His work and trying to fix things and, you know, well, that could be for that CEO, freedom. He has what he wants in that particular field, yes? Yeah. And then that, that's freedom. He has what he wants. That is what, the, what, the, what he wants to achieve in life. On the other hand, you know, if he, um, something else, yeah, in the family, well, it, it could be like a total a mess there, yeah? 
like, you know, he gets a divorce or whatever and so on. And that is the stressor. Yeah. Now, another CEO has maybe the other way around. He's like, oh, my family is important, blah, 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 a good relationship. And then at work, he struggles because he, you know, doesn't have the, uh, the skills maybe or the, you know, strategies. And uh, if he finds that very stressful. So, you know, we are talking about individuals here who have, a, you know, maybe the same job, put them in the same family, but they have different experiences with different problems and then these problems trigger uh, like uh, abuse or uh, um, addiction abuse if you uh, if you understand what i'm trying to say here so so what you're saying is that the, the stresses in life are uh, the drug you know the the drug experience is a solution to the s- stresses and other suffering in life yes exactly yeah. um, is that that's kind of your i have talked to other people where they well, I've talked to other people who have basically said the same thing, that their life was just so dark that the drug experience was kind of a relief from that, uh, gave them a break from that, which in a way backs up, I think, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard so many young people saying like, oh, I just wanted to escape, escape from, and that could be from anything, you know, escape from financial issues, family, from, uh, you know, friends, uh, you know, domestic violence, uh, all these different things. And all these things need to be unpacked in a, in a process to try to find out, okay, how can we help this person, this individual uh, with their addiction? And because like most of the time, the like, well, some people they you know they um have these issues yeah and they drink it at night and nobody knows yeah uh they're functional addicts and functional in society and uh you know maybe one colleague will say like oh you know uh he did a little bit weird you know but apart from that fine you know on the surface but then when we talk with that person about okay how is your life going then we have some, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I feel insecure, I have issues, I can't cope with that, and that's why I do these things. And I think in, uh, I like um, uh, Carl Rogers in British humanistic psychology as in, okay, well, you need to be congruent with, your, with who you want to be and what you actually do. So you have uh, an idea in your mind about who you want to be. You know, yeah, I want to be a loving dad. Yeah. And um, uh, at some point I had that in my own experience. Okay. So I always thought that I was a loving dad. Yeah. And at some point I saw myself completely, uh, you know, yelling at my son for whatever he did. You know, maybe he put uh, the popcorn in the wrong bowl or I don't know what it was. And uh, so, you know, you have the ideal that I wanted to be like a loving dad. And then my yelling at my son as in, well, categorized as not really loving towards my son. So then you, you know, you start asking yourself questions like, well, that is not congruent with, with the two different, they are not aligned. The two, the two things are not aligned. So, and I think that's a lot with, with addictions in general too, is like, you have this idea about who you want to be or who you are and so on. And then the actions that you do 
and then they are totally not aligned or really far away from each other and that gives stress and that stress then gives like guilt and so on and then you think like well let's go and drink some uh, bottles of wine and then you don't have to think about it so then the problem is gone for a while however could be that in uh, a couple of uh, months, uh, a, couple, a couple of days, you do the same thing again. You know, and that's a pattern. Then, yeah, sounds like um, in a way the the rehabilitation process, if we call it that, is one of actually helping somebody understand their life and themselves, and to make choices and how to deal with situations in a more harmonious or congruent way would that be right yeah exactly and also more in a society accepted way so you know if, you know we need to if other people just drink like one glass like a couple of glasses at night at home where nobody sees it well yeah you know it's not good for the person because they're gonna they're still having the same addiction and so on but in society I guess it's more accepted than somebody who punches somebody else in the face. So I think we all need some some help. And I, that's why I, I think with psychologists and so on, I think everybody could be helped in that way. You know, everybody has some problems uh, in their lives and just talking about it. And, you know, and I guess with that is uh, some people don't have people to talk about where you know we have friends or family or so on and that is sometimes that's already sometimes what people just need is like you know having a, a chat and like oh you know but other people need a little bit more uh, specific help when it's out of control yeah well talking about kind of socially accepted behaviors and things like that for example you're saying that there are some addictions that are socially accepted and others that are not and um, some that are looked down upon as really negative, for example, illicit drugs, and others that perhaps fly completely under the radar, like, you know, let's call it, you know, addiction to sugar or something like that. And that's, that's kind of my view too, is that we're all addicted in ways, whether it be more obvious or more subtle, and those addictions are in a way an attempted solution to whatever we're dealing with at the time. It sounds like the way that the philosophy and the way that you help people in terms of rehabilitation really could, we could all learn from that. Yeah, I think, but on the other hand, like we try to help other peoples, but on the, uh, on the other hand, you sometimes I need to help myself too. Because, you know, uh, I'm not in trouble with uh, the law, for example, but I have my own struggles too. Like uh, I'm addicted to food. And so when, you know, I have a lot of knowledge about addiction and so on, uh, however, I had to uh, put it in my, towards myself and uh, take a mirror and see like, okay, what can I do? And what I find is there are two strong slogans that I, I like to use, like step-by-step working towards a goal that's that's one because sometimes i think people want to go too quick with changing you know you need to do step by step and uh, small successes is the is the key you go step by step with like a little bit of a success and then you build on that and you move forward that way and then uh with for example my food addiction is like you need to do what works for you because like we are individuals what i do 
wouldn't always help others. And so that listening to, to your clients is very important to figure out what it is. So for example, in my uh, case, uh, with my food addiction. So what's your, what's your food addiction? So I eat a lot of chocolates. Well, can tell us if, if you... <laughs> so I'm, I'm, see, I always... Uh, <laughs> I think you're probably not alone. No, nah, yeah. So with, with um, the thing was, I was very active and very uh, energetic. And so I always thought I could eat whatever I wanted with, um, I mean, I do a lot of sport. Yeah, because you burn a lot of calories, you know, well, you can do whatever you want. However, um, when you get older, that's not the case. And then I had to learn how to reduce that. And after a while, you know, you kind of find yourself in the pantry, because, not because I was hungry, but because I was bored and, I, you know, or I didn't know what to do or I had emotional, uh, I was emotionally upset about something and I found myself in the cupboard. Uh, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. However, it's not, you know, it, it's society, you know, like, you know, you, people with like, you know, 150 kilos and so on, you know, that. Uh, so I didn't want to get into that statistic and so on. So basically, um, what uh, I had to figure out how to change that and to try to something that works for me. And for me, I'm not related to any of these programs and the soup, the, the cabbage soup and whatever. I don't really do these things. For me, what worked was the intermittent fasting, for example, which was like, OK, I do this program and I fast for a while and then I can eat between a specific time and then the certain time I can eat again. And there's a lot of scientific uh, research behind it. However, that system, um, my addiction for that, that worked for me. And that's what I'm trying to say here too, is like for, you know, people have like, say somebody else, uh, I spoke to a lot of uh, people about this kind of uh, plan and this like, oh, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like, you know, and obviously that wouldn't help that person. You know, the, another person, you know, same struggles as what I had, for example, they need to find something else that works and that's fine. That's, that's completely fine, but it worked for me. And that is the key where with like, you know, in rehab and so on, we don't always know what is in the beginning, what works for somebody. It's only after a long process that you figure out this works for, you know, Bob, and then that works for Jane and so on. Right. So basically, it's a kind of a bit of um, exploration with yourself, let's say, in terms of trying to understand what's going on and then trying, based on that understanding, different solutions to till you you find something that does work yes indeed yeah and like you know i think like a lot of our research helps us a lot now we have so like we have the internet we have all these research out there that can uh, guide us in 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 our lives about like okay you know you don't need to do like in the past you know several uh, hundred years ago everybody had to do all these things on their own to find out what worked. Well, now you have like, say, uh, research and 30 different ways on how do, to do things. And then you can read up on things and then explore it and see if that works for you. So we already have a really good resource in these um, uh, research uh, things. To f and, and that is, of course, with um, while you're struggling in your, in your home with stressors that are minor. 
Because like, obviously, if a person, it's too much, the, the stressors are too many, yeah, then you need professional help. And that is fine. Because it's better to have like some professional help for like, say, a couple of months, yeah, and then you pick up your, your game again and, you know, you, you find a way how to deal with these things, yeah, with your specific triggers, and then you can move forward, yeah, then having, you know, not that help and then waste, you waste a lot of time, basically, otherwise, if you, you know. It really sounds to me like it's kind of a process of becoming more aware of yourself and in a way wiser in your choices and and based on understanding of what's going to work and what's a, a good way to handle something and and what's not it really is sounding to me like the you know it's development of wisdom leads to a, a less stressful life a more peaceful life happier life I mean, that's, I'm just projecting forward the extension of our conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think uh, what I find like uh, one of the things that is very difficult for some young people, when especially young people, is like uh, in general uh, to like a lot of uh, people that I met with in, who are in a rehab have a, a black and white kind of thinking sometimes and they say like, oh, you know, they're doing great for the, you know, yeah, so society-wise, there you know everything goes okay. Three weeks and blah blah blah, and then one little thing goes wrong. Yeah, they're yelling at somebody or you know, something like that, and then they're so harsh on themselves. They're like, and it's like, oh, you know, I'm the worst person. I'm the thingy, you know, da 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 da, and then uh, and then they they go you know off the rails again. And, you know, because they, and it's that, that thing like, you know, you don't have to be a hundred percent. You can be that, you know, we, we, in our society, I think too, is like, we always want to pretend that we're like uh, top notch and heroes and, and so on. And we are not designed for that. Like, you know, people make mistakes. We make a lot of mistakes and we learn from them. And I think it's the, the key is to learn from our mistakes and, and, and move forward. And that black and white thinking like, okay, I want to do 100%. If I have 90, oh, you know, that's really bad. However, that kid that says like, I want to have 80, suddenly gets 90, well, you know, percent on his exam. Is in you know is going through the roof. He's like, woohoo! This is this is great. So I think we need to be more kind to ourselves in in several ways and so on, and ask also for help. Like you know, if you can't deal with things, it would be good to to have somebody there to support you in in your time of need. Yeah, yeah. So it's a much more a kinder way of viewing yourself uh, to give yourself some more space. And uh, in a way, grace for behaving in ways that are unexpected, and then you know, working out whether they that was good or not, and and then modifying, and 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 not expecting that the the journey isn't one of ups and downs. Yes. Yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you, particularly, uh, and I'm kind of surprised how I, I thought we were going to be. In my head, I had re rehabilitation and, you know, detox facilities. I had them in my head kind of segregated into a very special category. But now what I'm seeing is that 
is that they're actually a facility to learn life skills and to gain more self-knowledge and to, um, to look at, get support to find different strategies that are, that are going to produce a happier life, which is in a way, you know, maybe some more concentrated support system. But uh, I kind of think that we're all in that rehab process, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like we're all trying to find ways that are, are smoother and less causing of suffering in our life, I mean, uh, you, you see that in, in in everyone in a way. Everyone's trying to uh, to find better ways of being that create more happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, getting rid of barriers, and you know, whatever yeah. barriers you have, if it's an educational one, well, learn a new skill. You know, learn uh, forklift driving. Okay, you know, that will help with your finances. You know, that barrier is gone then, you know. So if it's like family, well, maybe you need to learn skills about communication. Well, I think, uh, Roland, I think we probably should uh, bring things to a close. Just I'm just mindful of the time. But I really appreciate you taking the time out to share your experience. I think it's, it's really, you've given us a really good insight into that, the world of um rehabilitation and um, and also thank you for sharing about your own addictions and and, and how you're approaching those because I think that's what well, we can all learn from that yeah thanks Michael yeah it was uh, so really I really enjoyed our interview uh, you're welcome and uh, yeah like you know we're I'm still working uh, on myself uh, every day you know so but it's trying to get the, all these uh, little um, uh, knowledge and so on yeah. uh, compact in there and uh, to to make your life better, you know, every day, you know, you you should try to yeah. make your life a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I am too. So, all right. Well, thanks so much. And um, it's been really great to meet you. Thanks, Michael. It was a pleasure. <laughs>